0: should mention that, uh, I was going to say this about Clint, uh, that um, Elder Gieselin and I are going to get to actually go visit him this Thursday. So we've got a visit lined up. So excited to see him in person for the first time. All right. um, We're going to take a Sunday here to talk about um, church planting with you all. Um, And uh, this is something been really looking forward to talking about with you. Um, it's one of the things I think that most excites me about our church is that we are outwardly focused. We are striving not just to enjoy Christ together and to be agents of love together, but um, we are also striving to share that and multiply that love. Um, and so what I want to do today um, is just share with you more of the vision and the particulars of our church planning process, give you a sense of what's involved, what's, a, what is this, what's this actually about, why do we do this, um, how does it actually coalesce. Um, some of you are familiar with this because we've now done this um, two times since I've come, uh, once in Springfield with Living Water and then another time um, in uh, with the light of the nations in Dayton. Um, and actually, Pastor Peppo has been part of another plant um, in Wilmington that wasn't from our congregation, but was still our congregation's resources, um, helping to make that happen. Um, but for some of you who are new, um, this is going to be new, and it's also going to have some things in it that will be um, just important reminders for us so we don't lose sight of these things. So first, the, uh, the vision, and sorry, this is a little lower <laughs> uh, than normal, thanks to the wreath, but uh, hopefully you can see. Why do, why do we do church planning? Um, what is the, the big idea? Well, it all goes back to Jesus, of course, and the kind of, kind of person that Jesus is. He's the one who looks at the darkness of this earth, and we especially think of this this time of year, right? We're coming up on the darkest day of the year. Um, the 21st, and what happens in the midst of that darkness? Well, Isaiah 9, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So thinking about those realms to the north, where uh, the nations swept in and destroyed those lands in God's judgment. And it says this, The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. So just picture that, this world as a land of deep darkness, spiritual darkness, right? Um, The nighttime and the, the scariness of it. And all the the evil things that often transpire at night. um, It's a picture of the spiritual condition of this world. um, The the darkness of people's minds who are worshiping the created things rather than the creator. And what does God do when he sees all this darkness? He says, the people who dwell in great darkness will see a great light. And Isaiah 49.6 says that, This servant figure will be the light. He says, Isaiah 49, 6, It is too light a thing that you, the servant, should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. That's too small a task. I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So God looks at the peril and the plight of his people dwelling in exile. Exile is a place of terrible darkness. Um, They're scattered among the nations. And he's, of course, feeling compassion for them and saying, I'm going to redeem you out of exile. I'm going to bring you back. But he says, you know, I'm going to do something even bigger than that. I'm going to end the exile of all the nations. And I'm going to send my servant not just as a light to Israel, but as a light to the nations. Makes you think of a church. I feel like I've heard that name. Okay. Um, Yeah. And then what happens 700 years later? A baby is born. And that baby is brought to the temple by their observant parents, their, their godly parents, bring the baby to the temple to be circumcised. And there's this older guy. His name's Simeon. And he says, he takes the baby in his arms and he says, Now I can depart in peace. Now I can die happily. Now you're letting, O oh Lord, your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Think about that. My eyes have seen your salvation. He's seeing baby Jesus. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revel- for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. He's alluding to Isaiah 49, 6. And he's saying, on the authority of the Holy Spirit, who's come and filled him, that this is it. This is what God was talking about when he said, I'm going to send my servant not just to save Israel, but to save the nations. And he has the amazing ability, by faith, by the gift of the Spirit, to recognize this little, this little baby infant, this little helpless person is this person who's going to come and be a light to the nations now we all know that Jesus is the light to the nations I, I and he has he's the I am the light of the world right um, John 812 but guess what he also calls us the light of the world so who is the servant who is the light to the nations well Jesus but also all of us who are in Jesus and they just I get, like, goosebumps thinking about this stuff. I just can't get enough of this. Where he's, you know, he says, I'm the light of the world. But then he says, Matthew 5:14, you are the light of the world, speaking to his disciples. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we are the light of the world because we are in Jesus, one with Jesus, who is the light of the world. And then one more scripture. I just love this. Here in the same corpus, Luke-Acts, right? Luke-Acts is one one work and two volumes. The beginning says Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 49.6. He is the servant, right? And then... (laughs) Paul and Barnabas say this about their ministry to the Gentiles. For so, this is Isaiah, sorry, this is Acts thirteen forty-seven. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And what happens next? And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Do you get the big idea? Who is the servant that fulfills this, this great call to bring the light into the darkness, the light that will go not just to Israel, but to the nations? Jesus? I hear Jesus. I hear us. Which is it? Good. That's exactly right. That's what I want to hear. That's exactly right. It is not an either-or thing. It is Jesus who gives us His light in our hearts, shining through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that then doesn't just sort of shine inside of us. No, it's put on the lampstand and radiating out like a city that's set on a hill. A beacon, a lighthouse that is shining to this dark and very needy world. So, Jesus doesn't look at the darkness and say, Tough, tough on you, you guys figure it out. No, he takes the initiative to come and then he wants us to be the initiative takers too. We don't sit around and wait for people to discover us. We go out and we tell people about Jesus and we invite them to know him better. So, like Jesus, we need to take the initiative to shine our light in the darkness. And of course, we do this in all kinds of ways. It isn't just church planting, right? Um, we're going to go Christmas caroling uh, this Friday. I hope some of you can come. What are we doing? We're showing the love of Christ. Um, and uh, I love this story. i just share it again. You know, one, one, one year we uh, were just caroling, going door to door, knock, you know, ring the doorbell, and we sang. And this one time this guy came out and he put his hand over his heart as we were singing. And I don't think it was the quality of the music although we were doing our best, right? And uh, he says, you don't know, but I just lost my wife this, just like several months ago, and the fact that you guys are here when I was feeling super lonely means so much to me, right? And so, like, we're doing things like that, um, like what the deacons do, showing the love of Christ in tangible ways um, as a congregation, but we're also wanting to see new communities reached with... The glory of Jesus. So that's where church planning comes in. So a lot of this is just, you know, 1 John 1 um, as we're rejoicing in Christ, make my joy complete by sharing in that joy, right? You love covenant, you, you love being here. Great. Now share it. Why wouldn't we want to see what God gives us here replicated, right? This is the sign that you really get the joy of Christ's salvation, is that you don't just sort of keep it to yourself and say, wow, how great that I'm saved. How great that I get to know all these great things about Jesus. You're also you're, you're saying that, but you're also saying, I want other people to know this too. The people around me, I want them to see the glory of Jesus. And so we're not trying to be a self-protective people. We're not trying to um, You know, say, hey, we've got this nice, fun party going on. We don't need anybody else. It's already fun. No, we want to see our region dotted with faithful Bible-preaching churches that are vibrantly working for Christ's kingdom. Are we content with just, you know, this OPC church here, and then here's another one 45 minutes away or maybe a couple hours away with these huge gaps in between? And again, it's not about the name brand. It's not about must be an OPC church. I'm talking about faithful Bible preaching churches. Are we are we okay with those huge gaps where there are places in Ohio near us where there is people have to drive really far. Are we okay with that? I hope we're not okay with that. We should desire to see our region dotted with faithful Bible-preaching churches that are vibrantly working for Christ's kingdom. Uh, The church that, the first OBC church that uh, my wife and I were a part of, um, they had wonderful, good thing going on. They decided they wanted to plant a church, and they ended up planting a church on the other side of town. It was about, you know, 15, 20 minutes away. And you might say to yourself, why so close? And their thinking was, look, that side of town Needs the gospel too, right? And there's lots of people on that side of town. Why not see a church there? So um, we desire to see this this whole countryside, and in particular our region, the Miami Valley, dotted with faithful Bible-preaching churches. How is this better than just letting our congregation continue to grow and grow and grow? Of course, that is one legitimate option. Um, it's not like there's anything ter- terribly wrong or something about having a bigger congregation. But as a session, as we were thinking through, again, like, why do we do what we do? When we get big, we spiral off another congregation as opposed to, say, getting a bigger building or going to two services or whatever. Here are some reasons why we are compelled to spiral off church plants. One is this, um, having a new community... That has a local church sharing Christ's love. So there's something, and again as a, you know, Americans who like are used to driving long distances, you know, every single day for work or whatever, we might lose sight of this, but it really does make a difference to have a church in a local community. Um, There's so many ministry opportunities that you get simply by being here in a particular place. there's uh my ministry to people who pass by on the alley on the way to the bp and regularly getting to talk with people who say like hey pastor and like i pull up my window and you know do i do ministry from the window um that wouldn't happen if i wasn't local right if i wasn't here and same thing with all of us right um it's one thing to say hey you want to come to church with me and the guy is like well uh sure And you're like, well, yeah, it's like 45 minutes away. Or it's a half hour away. Um, Or, you know, even I I was listening, I was at this dentist appointment with one of my kids. And it was blowing my mind listening to the dentist and the dental assistant talk about, like, where places are. And how unaware they were of towns, even, like, two towns away. Like, where is that place? So, like, Vandalia, we, we all kind of think we know where that is. Well, there are lots of people who don't. And so having a local church sharing Christ's love makes a really big difference. Being in a community, vested in a community, makes a difference. There's also this, the smaller family feel, the sort of sense of an extended family that we enjoy here where you can really know each other and where your shepherds can really know you. And when they can notice when you're not here and say, hey, is everything okay? Obviously, you could still do that when you have a congregation of 400 people, but it's a lot harder, right? So that smaller family feel, we feel like that's part of the secret sauce of what makes covenant um, such a blessing. Um, It allows us to keep growing without losing our building. Do you realize we now have 210 members? We are about to have 212 members as of the end of this worship service, as you will soon discover the Kovacs joining us today. Um, praise the Lord. This sanctuary only seats so many people. <laughs> right? Um, and then there's also this. Um, it's kind of blocked by the piano, but uh, we can re- reach new people who are further away. So think of this. Because we're in Springfield, uh, because we planted that church there, now all of these Cedarville students, like something like 50 to 60 Cedarville students, are coming and worshiping and hearing the doctrines of grace, hearing great biblical preaching from Pastor Doles, being ministered to, being discipled, so much so that this weekend they have another pastor coming being interviewed to hopefully come and help Pastor Doles, right? What an opportunity. Like I grew so much as a college student. Would we get 50 Cedarville students here? No, it's too far away. Right? And so when we plant a church, it's this missional thing where we're, you know, we're reaching this community, say, 30 minutes away, which then enables them to minister to commun- and reach people from a much larger radius, right? And so we're pushing back the darkness as we plant churches. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'd like to ask um, Elder Pinson Sham, since he's the only elder here at the moment, um, Why are you excited about church planning? You may, yeah.
1: I don't think I've used this one yet. It's great. So hopefully you are seeing some of why we love church planning in this church. Uh, One of the areas that you did not uh, highlight um, Matthew 28, of course, we know the Great Commission. It was one of the passages when I first came to covenant that, yes, I knew, but revolutionized my understanding of what God is doing in and through his church. Uh, The pastor, Pastor Jackson at the time, emphasized, of course, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The go, therefore, I grew up with a go ye, therefore. Yeah, think out, you know. Uh, as compared to the as you are going, which is what Pastor Charles always emphasized, we have that privilege, that opportunity, that responsibility, That as we are going we need to be making disciples for Jesus Christ and this is part of what covenant is about in fact holistic what we're about so that's what's exciting to me seeing the Church of God grow and be planted Uh, a personal uh, I guess testimony on my side too Uh, I think most of you maybe know my Lydia she's one of my college students Uh, she when she was probably in um, junior high, was when we were looking to plant um, Light of the Nations, and our church building was filling up. And she looked around one one Sunday and she goes, looks like we're about ready to plant another church, Dad. (laughs) Which is wonderful. So having the heart of our children have that passion to see the gospel go forth, that's what we want as well here. Not just that it's us adults thinking through things, but it's as we are going as families, as we are going as individuals, having the Holy Spirit work in and through us to see the church of God go forth. So, in short words, that's why I'm excited.
0: And we want you to, um, to be excited about this because um, we know that it will also cost us something. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But let's talk first, just give you a quick overview of the process of how we achieve this, this vision. What's, what's the process, at least, that we've used in the past and um, that our denomination um, helps us to have um, to achieve this, this process? So the first is a planning period, which we're basically starting here, of approximately a year that begins with lots of prayer praying that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers for the harvest, praying that we would grow in boldness and in compassion for the lost, praying that God would um, give us a heart that's willing to go through uncomfortable things at times to see the gospel go forward, praying for wisdom. So we're going to be identifying a location for the church plant. We have ideas about this, um, but we are going to want your input, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, We're going to be seeking to identify a church planter, someone who um, is not just a gifted minister of the gospel, but has that kind of scrappiness that they're willing to deal with less than ideal circumstances um, and roll with it. And be willing to um, make things happen where currently there aren't things happening. Um, And when we've identified both of those, we'll then ask Presbytery to approve um, the plant and the planter. And, um, of course, we'll be filling you in in that whole process. And, of course, you all will be part of that as well. When we identify the church planter, we'll be issuing him a call. And that will be something that you all will get to vote on. And then the first service will be held, um, where we will um, dedicate this work to the Lord. And um, really, um, you know, we'll have a time here, even here at Covenant, before that first service, where we'll um, have those people who are willing to be part of the plant come forward and dedicate them to the Lord. Maybe some of you remember when we did that for the folks who became part of the Light of the Nations. And at that point, we're up and rolling. And we have what we, we could call the church plant period. And I say, you know, approximately three years, we really have no idea. Um, but that's sort of the average time period that it takes for a plant to become stabilized. And, of course, this also requires a lots of prayer. Um, I'm emphasizing prayer here because it is the Lord's work. This is something we're doing in faithful response to him and his call. But ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit who, you know, the Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain, right? We need the Lord of the harvest to make this go. And in this um, church plant period, the church plant will be under the oversight of a joint session. So, you know, both the church planting pastor and myself, and then whichever elder or elders are part of the church plant and then the elders that remain here, we will all be one governing body. And so even though the two churches will be meeting in two separate locations, um, the church plant location and here, um, we are, in, in terms of government and structure and finances and all of this, we are one still, right? So there's one membership role for both. Um, there's, there's one governance for both. Um, and that's really helpful for the church plant because that enables them to not feel like, wow, here are some weighty decisions we have to make, and there's only like two of us here, the pastor and the elder. No, there, there's all the session is going to be weighing in on, on the big big questions they're facing helping them. And we're going to be focusing, of course, on growth, on establishing the plant in a community, finding a good location for meeting. Um, Inviting people, doing lots of evangelism, lots of just getting the word out. Like, hey, we're here. And during this time, we will. Whoop, let's see, where did that go? Oh, here it is. Yeah, we will um, receive financial help from the denomination. Um, we know a guy. <laughs> um, but even if we didn't, uh, they've always been very generous. Um, and it's such a huge help. And this is part of why we're, we're doing it this way, rather than having a second um, pastor join me here and then spiraling the plant later, is because we need that financial assistance. Um, so they're very generous in helping us with that, helping this plant get off the ground. And it's important to say, too, that, um, you know, depending on the distance away of, of the plant, but um, our, our thought is that at least initially, that particularly as we're trying to you know, conserve resources, and, and as the plant is starting out small, that there will be plenty of events and programs where we will be sharing um, our labor. So, like, one example very likely would be, like, Friends Night. Um, still having Friends Night here, and just like we do, um, often we invite um, teens from other nearby churches. Obviously, our church plant would be involved there and invited too. And what does that mean? It means that that church plant gets to be involved with and and share in all the good things that are going on here without having to kind of roll their own right off the bat, right? So um, many events and programs we will share. And I hope you've seen, um, even just think tonight, of this beautiful Christmas concert we'll get to enjoy at Light of the Nations. Even after they've become their own particular church, there are lots of ways in which we still get to jointly share together and being part of one church community in this area. Um, think to the uh, Reformation Day service. What a joy that was, like 500 people right there in the light of the nation's huge sanctuary, um, hearing the word brought from different local pastors. Um, same thing with our Good Friday service. These are other times where we're all working together. Um, Pastor Dietrich is um, gearing up to do another um, evangelism training time next year for our teens. Um, He did this two years ago, I believe, um, where he equipped them to do evangelism, and then they went out and did evangelism on the streets of Dayton. Um, And so things like that. We'll continue to be working together on that. So this is in the church plant period. And then comes a point, again, after much prayer, where we particularize, and this is just a big fancy word for the church plant becoming its own distinct congregation, and I hope from all of the uh, Sunday school classes that we've done together on Presbyterian church government that you know that they're not becoming their own independent congregation, right? We are all one church, um, unified together, holding each other accountable, but they do become their own self-governing entity. Um, And this is usually when the church plant has become self-sufficient financially, although they can still um, be receiving some funds um, at this time from the denomination. But um, at a certain point, when it seems right, we will, um, and there are particular thresholds we'll have for this, where there will be a certain, you know, we need to see this kind of amount of giving, this number of people coming, um, this amount in terms of church officers Um, we will petition Presbytery to declare the plant to be its own congregation. We have a special service particularization. And leading up to that, the new congregation will be able to determine their own pastor, elders, and deacons. So um, those aren't just sort of taken for granted. They get to vote themselves, saying we want these leaders. And it is not a vote that we, the mother church, enter into. It is they issue a new call to their new pastor, and um, the elders and deacons are newly installed in this new congregation. So that's a all too brief, but you know, kind of high-level overview of the process. Um, any questions about the process of how we plant a church? We've been doing this for a bit, so many of you are familiar. But yeah, Betty. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so in other times um, when Pastor Pepo has been beginning a, um, a new uh, church plant, he has started with a small group where sometimes they don't even begin worship right away. They'll, they'll just begin like a, uh, a small group Bible study where they'll talk about, you know, things like, um, you know, here's, here's the plan, here's what we're doing. Um, maybe talk about evangelism or worship or anything that seems like this would really help this group um, and that 's really help, helpful when we need we have sort of a new group of people that are just starting to coalesce together um, so just recently um, there 's a group in Louisville, Kentucky that petitioned Presbytery to become their a mission work, and so very likely in their case, um, it will begin not so much with worship but with just these kind of small Bible study kind of um, events that will then eventually morph to worship. Other times, it really can just start with beginning a new worship service um, as well. So there, there's, there's options there. Um, yeah. Yeah, Lori? Right. Great question. Yeah, so... How do we land on a location? I'm going to get to that in a future slide here. So I will I will talk about that. Very very good question. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, that is typical um, when when it's a mother daughter model. Another way of doing it um, where we have uh, when when a say a church plant arises kind of organically in a location. Um, kind of all in itself uh, in that case Presbytery will create what's called a provisional session where they will take people, um, elders and pastors who are willing to serve who will become assigned to that congregation while they're just a plant and who will you know, handle that plant's elder decisions um, until they get to the point where they're ready to call their own guys and one of their key tasks is going to be training up local guys who can be, you know, the elders and and whatnot of that congregation. So that's another model. Um, In fact, that's what is happening right now in Newcastle, Indiana, where we have Redemption Bible Church um, that basically the pastor came to reform convictions. He led his entire church into the OPC. It's now a mission work of the OPC, but they don't have... Uh, ruling elders to be able to constitute a session. Because remember that Sunday school lesson where he talked about it's never a solo guy, right? (laughs) Um, So as a result, there's the one pastor, and then there's supplementary elders who form a provisional session. That's another way of achieving this. But we're doing the mother-daughter model. Yeah. Great question yeah yeah so to the, the question is about Pastor Peppo's role. Um, to this point, um, Peppo has been spearheading these other plants we've done. Um, he's got so many irons in the fire it's not even funny. I mean, that might surprise you right, but or not, right? Um, and so he has so many um, things that he's doing. hopefully you remember that from his presentation in the middle of November. Um, you know the Hispanic works that he's spearheading. Um, he's going to be helping with this church plant in Louisville Um, there's another couple other works that he's stirring up elsewhere Um, so he just doesn't have the bandwidth to help and that's why we need to find a new church planting pastor Yep. of course he'll be here giving counsel and encouragement and that's really important yeah Doug yeah great question How how do we find this guy where does that come from um Please pray. <laughs> um, like on one level, there is a there is a, um, a structure in place where people who are looking for a call in the OPC can submit their resume to the central office, and then we get a stack of resumes and go through them. I've gone through all those resumes. Um, there are 20 or some resumes in the stack. Um, many of them are just people that wouldn't be um, like looking for a church plant kind of, thing, um, and those that I, the others that I went through just weren't suitable for a variety of different reasons. So um, I've kind of exhausted that option, and so now I've reached out to like people I know who teach in seminaries and other contacts I have. Um, I put out feelers to well-connected people like Pastor Montgomery, who knows lots of people, and said, hey, if you see anybody, if you know of anybody, connect me. Um, but right now, I'm kind of at the end of my powers and just praying that god would connect us but i'm going to keep you know asking for if there's anybody who's submitted new resumes to the stack i'm going to keep on working the network but please pray i mean ultimately it's the lord who will raise up just the right guy and we're not going to rush we're going to wait for the right guy all right um we need to talk about a few more things one of the things is the costs this is exciting But let's be honest with each other. This is not going to be a bed of roses. It's not going to be super easy. Number one cost is not seeing dear friends at Covenant as often. I think this is a really big one. And, um, you know, like, (laughs) you know, there's a sense of, like, sometimes I I almost feel like the bad guy for, like, (laughs) Hey, we were, everything was so great, and then you ruined it by <laughs> spiraling off a church plan. Now I don't get to see so-and-so. Um, yeah. But I hope that you have that sense of, like, Jesus leaving the comfort of his Father's throne, going to be with us so that the love may increase. Um, do we Are we going to miss the people and the friendships that we build? Will there be, like, tough things about this in terms of not seeing really close friends. Yes. Remember the reward that you're heading towards, the new creation where we will never be parted from each other. We have to keep that in view or we're not going to be willing to make the sacrifice. Here are other things. Um, not having a permanent location initially will probably be renting a place. Um, and that will very likely mean we're sharing the space with other places. Maybe, maybe not. We don't. We don't know exactly. Um, often that means a lot of extra work doing setup and takedown, right? That that's just a part of the cost of of getting something started. There'll be lots of changes to get used to. You know, when you get used to listening to one pastor, you you get into the rhythm of their preaching and you kind of know what to expect. It's a it's an adjustment when you have to start with somebody new and different, and you're you're even like starting new. Relationally with that person. And you feel like, okay, I trust, you know, Pastor Patton, I can tell him things, but I don't really know this person yet, and it's harder for me to relate to him as my pastor. That's, that's, an, that's an adjustment. Um, the new location, a new rhythm, there's, that, that, that can drain us, right? There's energy involved in those things. Um, needing to step up and serve in new ways. So, like, we have a thriving Sunday school program here. When a church plant begins, we need to kind of reinvent some of those things. How are we going to do this with a smaller group of teachers and maybe not as many kids, right? Um, We've got, like, our wonderful security team. We've got all these other volunteers who are helping in all these different ways. Starting a new church plant, part of what's involved is saying, I need to be willing to serve maybe in ways I haven't done before because there aren't as many of us, right? Right? And even the mother church is going to have to step it up, too, because we're going to be saying goodbye to some really great servants, right? And so being willing to serve in new ways is going to be critical both for mother and daughter. Needing to be more proactive in inviting people. Of course, we always want to be doing this, right? It just needs to be part of our, our regular rhythm, right? Of like, you know, if you don't have one of those invite cards or a bunch of those stack of those invite cards, ask me for them. You know that that just has like a little map of our church and you know service times and stuff so that like when you're getting your hair cut talking to the lady hey you should come to church we're, we're having a Christmas service um, this Sunday at, or this yeah Sunday at six um, we need to do that a lot when you're a church plant right need to be finding new people so those are some of the costs anybody have any other costs they can think of that I'm forgetting or missing? Some of you have been through this before. Yeah, Todd. Yeah, that's right. Ah, good. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great it's a great thought that that yeah, it costs to change, but there's also a hidden cost in not changing, right? Like if we If we become self-protective and we stop being missional and we stop being outward focused, that will change us. We will not be the same church anymore, right? Um, And again, you know, we don't always have to be spiraling off church plants. Like if God in his good wisdom were to, you know, cause our growth to level out even though we're being faithful in all the things that we're doing, okay. You know, um, we'll just keep being faithful, right? But when he gives us opportunities like this, Um, there is a cost also in not changing. Excellent. Yeah, any other thoughts on the costs? Well, let me offer some responses to these. One is, um, remember, you know, especially as you think of that first point about not seeing dear friends at Covenant as often, remember that we will continue, especially at the beginning, to be doing things jointly, like Friends Night and different outreaches. Um, We'll be continuing to have venues for being together. Um, so hopefully that mitigates that somewhat. And we also don't need to immediately reduplicate everything that Covenant's doing. So Covenant has a lot of things swirling, right? Um, faithfulness as a, as a church really is, the, at its core, being faithful in worship. That's like the great event, right? That's why we say to every member, will you be faithful to this church's worship? We're not saying, will you come to every single Bible study, and will you come to every single men or women's group, or whatever, right? We offer those as a way of blessing people, but if people just can't for whatever reason, or don't don't feel like those really minister to them, it's fine. It's fine. So we don't need to immediately recreate all those additional things. We're simply creating a new venue for worship. Um, And then also, many things will be copy and paste so that, like, we're not reinventing everything, Uh, the website, the budget, the bylaws, the bulletin, the rhythms of church life, Um, you know, both things that are kind of material and concrete as well as immaterial things. We're hoping to, in a sense, continue the trajectory that we already have. And so it's not like we have to, like, reinvent many things. Will there be new things to figure out? Sure. What will we call the church and whatever? Um, but it's not all going to be brand new. And then, more substantively, this is really my heart here. I love this quote from Spurgeon: "God has a way of giving by the cartloads to those who give away by shovelfuls." And I, I, I hope you you remember our history as you think of that. Like here we are. We're ju- you know the church had just called me the new pastor. There at that very same time sending off so many dear core people dear families off to living water the, the membership you know the, is somewhere down to like 90 or 100 here right um and the question is you know like are we gonna be able to make it here um like are we gonna be able to keep keep afloat and yet god filled us up and then we we um, gave away, again, in, in, in you know, light of the nations, again, so many dear people, including you know, very dear church officers who have so served this church. Well, again, look at how God gives by the cartloads to those who give away by shovelfuls. And this is straight from Scripture, Proverbs 11. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. And then the next proverb says it another way. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Just meditate on that. Um, it's it's a one of the paradoxes of the Christian life, right? Is that you cannot outgive God, right? You think, all right, we're gonna we're gonna sign up for these costs, we're gonna do this because we believe the vision, and then you're you're struggling with fear, like. But what, what's going to happen, Lord? Are we going to be, be able to keep afloat? Are we going to be okay financially? Are we going to be okay in terms of just continuing to have the critical mass to do what we need to do? You cannot outgive God. So I hope those encourage you. And God has shown himself more than faithful so that we not only are taking these things by faith, we're also taking them by sight because <laughs> of our, our story a couple last quick clarifications here, and um, this will get into just a few of the specifics. First off, no one is going to make you be part of a church plant nor guilt you. You, This is a free choice. Um, and we want to make note to you that there are multiple ways multiple ways in which you can uh, participate. So on one level, you can participate just saying, I'm long-term committed to being part of this church plant. Another way you can participate is by... Um, being part of the church plant for a, an extended period of time, say like a year or, you know, some kind of temporary time commitment, but still extended as a way of boosting and encouraging the work. Because, you know, when new people come and there's like nobody there, <laughs> that's challenging, right? But when you come and there's other families there, uh, maybe people the same stage of life as you, that's encouraging, right? Um, and so there were a there were, um, number of families that, went and were part of Light of the Nations for a time, encouraged the work with the understanding. They were very upfront. They're like, after a little while, we're going to come back to covenant, but we want to help you guys um, as you get going. So that's another way of participating. There are valid reasons for not being part of a church plan, even if it's, say, closer to you than covenant is. Um, Life is too crazy right now (laughs) in other areas to accommodate this. In other words, I need to be faithful to my marriage to my kids um, this is an insane season right now where those are those relationships or maybe other things that I've already committed to are really I, I do not have the bandwidth for this and so I'm just I'm not in a place where I can give what I ought to give for this plant and so I'm not going to change this part of my life right now out of faithfulness to Christ in these other areas totally fine or maybe you're thinking to yourself I just got here Too much change, too fast, especially for my kids, right? Like, that's also totally legitimate. And there's other legitimate reasons, too. Um, So, again, we need to believe the best about each other. Um, If somebody says, you know, I've thought about it, prayed about it, and I feel like covenant is the place for my family right now, no questions asked. It's fine. You don't have to defend yourself. Totally understandable, and this is a free choice. Um, so know that please um, we're excited about this we hope people want to do this but well, we understand if that's not where God has you right now and so we ask you to pray about whether you'd be willing to serve in a church plant this coming year. please pray about this honestly ask this lay this before the Lord and just say Lord I'm your servant my life is not my own I lay it up before you on the altar what do you want me to do what would most honor you it's not about what would make me happy. It's not about what makes me feel comfortable. I just want to serve you with the one life you've given me. And, and really lay it before him. Ask him to help you know what his will is. And we'll send out a survey. You'll see it um, this week. I'll send a reminder. Um, the elders are going to be meeting in mid-January to talk about kind of next steps. And this is getting to your question, Laurie, about location. But the survey will ask... Um, If you're not willing to give your name, totally fine. But um, if you could specify at least your location, that will give us concrete data. It says, okay, we have X number of families in this direction that are willing to do this. That really helps us to know that this could be viable in that direction. Of course, there will be other factors we'll consider, too, in terms of the location, the opportunities there. Pray for God particularly to raise up a church planter for us, as I was just answering to Doug. I've done what I can, <laughs> but like, I don't have any leads right now. And then talk to a session member if you have concerns or questions about our plan. We, we always want to encourage you to feel like you have an open open channel to us. If you have any issues at all, you think that we're off, off, you know, this is not the right time, or you're just concerned about this or that, don't hesitate. We will not take it the wrong way. We are thankful whenever you talk to us. Okay, great question, yeah. Yeah, great question. The question is, say we had enough people to move forward, but we don't have a man, we don't have somebody who can be the church planter, could we still somehow move forward? And I think that's a great question, and maybe it's a place where we can get creative and figure out how to do that, because there, um, there are other other ways of doing this, and there are church plants that have thrived, even without a particular point person on the ground. Um, So yeah, thank you for that. I I think we'd have to reflect on that, yeah. yeah 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 they're starting to build rapport with each other even in like a home group setting while they're looking for a long term person yeah yeah Excellent. And that kind of gets to what you were bringing up, Betty, too, is like there are other ways of doing this than just immediately doing a worship service. Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great point. Um, the uh, satellite model, where you have like a s- separate campus, where um, either the the pastor goes and preaches in the main campus, and then the satellite campus, or it's you know live streamed or whatever. Um, those are other those that. Thank you. I mean, these are these are great kind of thinking outside the box kinds of things that maybe we will have to do if we can't find a. Yeah. Okay, great, yeah, excellent. Well, we're a little past here, so I should close this, but um, thank you for your attentiveness and encourage you. If you have additional questions or ideas, just like uh, what Mike was bringing up, other ways of of rolling this, um, we really welcome that. Um, This is going to be an effort of us all. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. Um, We know that all great works begin with prayer, and they begin with your people reading your word, and then taking the promises of your word back to you and saying, Lord, you have said this, now we want to see that happen. And Lord, you have said that you want your light to shine in the darkness. You've even sent your own beloved son to be the first first rays of that light from heaven. And now, Lord, you put that heavenly light in us and we want to shine. We do not want to hide ourselves under a basket. We want to be on the lampstand. We want people to see the glory of Jesus and be drawn to him. And we want new communities to see that glory and to know the blessing of a local church where they can be encouraged and supported. And even someday seeing that new community and that church and that new community itself becoming a church planting church. And so we pray dedicating these plans to you, praying that you guide our steps, that you guide us to just the right location, you guide us to just the right church planter, and that, Lord, even now you'd be working in the hearts of those whom you would send out to create that joyful willingness that goes not just out of a sense of drudgery or duty, but out of a sense of joy of sharing the good love that they themselves have received from you. We know you can do all these things and above and beyond what we ask or imagine. So we ask it all in Jesus' name.